Good morning, everyone. It's a joy to be with you this morning on this uh, pulpit swap arrangement. Uh, it's not that we're swapping pulpits, we're swapping congregations, aren't we, really? And it's a great thing to be able to do that because it, it does help, I believe, to build up the relationship between the Elam churches on the island, the three Elam churches. Been around a long time now, haven't we? And uh, I think uh, Varzan's coming up to its 100th anniversary, isn't it, next year? So, uh, yeah. So we're, we're old fogies now, aren't we, Elam churches? And uh, we ought to have got to know each other perhaps better than we have. And this is one way in which we can do that. And it's good for us uh, pastors. We meet together almost weekly to pray together and to talk with one another, share common interests. Uh, and uh, Martin is included in that, of course. And he's a great fellow, Martin, a great pastor. I'm sure you'll you appreciate him. Uh, a man with a, a heart for, for the work of God and for you. And that God's using him to bring blessing to this island of Guernsey. And uh, Brother Stephen is at... Um, my church, but he's not preaching this morning because he recently had some surgery and so he's not able to stand and to preach, but he's taking another man with him to do the preaching for him. I think he'll stand behind and, and do that and the, <laughs> the other fellow will preach. <laughs> well, that's a good song to lead into my message because I want to speak to you this morning on renewable energy. That's just an important subject today, isn't it? Where the governments are really interested in renewable sources of energy. And we're all excited about the possibility of uh, harnessing the energy in the tide, tides around these islands, aren't we? A tremendous tidal flow, isn't there? And uh, we want to get some generators down there, some turbines and whatever they are, and get the equipment down there under the water. And as the the, the, the sea comes and goes, we're going to harness that energy and we're going to have enough electricity for all of the, our, our islands. Just think, no electricity bills. It'll all be free, won't it? <laughs> well, some hope. But uh, that's what we need. Th then we don't have to burn any more fossil, fossil fuels. And then, of course, if you're in the mainland, then you've got these wind turbines everywhere. Personal opinion here, I think they're a blot on the landscape. But there you are. Let's hope we never have them in Guernsey. Great monstrosities uh, driving the birds away. And uh, anyway, that's another subject. But renewable energy, this is so important to us today. But that's not really what I'm thinking of here this morning. I'm sure you don't want a lecture on that kind of renewal. I'm thinking here about spiritual renewable energy. That's our greatest concern. I came to Christ when I was 16 years of age. That was a great experience for me to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, sometime after that, I got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Wonderful. To receive the Spirit of the living God and to be able to speak in tongues. But 47 years has gone by since then. 
47 years. That's a long time, isn't it? And a lot of lot can happen in 47 years. I mean, I, I, since then, I, I've got married, I've had children, and I've gone from one church to another church to another church. I've been through college and I've done all sorts of things that have happened to me. Some of them not very pleasant. Some of them pleasant. But a lot has happened in my life since that day when I gave my life to Christ. And a lot has happened in my life that could have sapped me of all the energy that I got out of that initial encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. What about you? When did you come to Christ? How long ago was that? And what's happened in your life since you met the Lord, since you were baptized in the Holy Spirit? Even if it was just five years ago, or maybe it was 50 years ago, maybe even longer than that. What, happened, what has happened in your personal life? Perhaps since you came to Christ, you've gone through times of sickness. And that knocked you for six. It dragged you down, kept you in, in your bedroom, or kept you in pain for some time. Or maybe you've been through times of great study where you've had to devote your time and your energy to preparing for exams, and it's taken years and years to achieve those results, and you've just had to give your time to that. Uh, some of you have had to pursue careers. And for some of you, for all of us, I should say, there's also been this little matter of temptation that when we came to Christ and we received him as our Lord and Savior and we received the Holy Spirit, we discovered that it didn't make us immune to temptation. The temptations came. We had to battle with them. And maybe, maybe for some of us here, we didn't. We weren't always successful in defeating the temptations. And so we've had those moral failures to deal with as well. But then there's a family life. As I said, some of us got married and we've had children and there's all the issues that go along with having children, their schooling, their education, uh, their, their sicknesses and uh, they're growing up and they're, they're, um, the battles of the will and the conflicts and the disciplines and so on. And some of us have gone through that whole phase. And then there's the church. When I first became a Christian, everything was wonderful and lovely. But I discovered that church is made up of human beings, of human nature. And church isn't always smooth. What about you? Is the church that you're in this morning the same church you were in when you became a Christian, even if it was in this building? Maybe the church you're in today is not the same church that you knew when you first came to Christ because change has come. And maybe you found that difficult to, to deal with. And conflicts have come. You've experienced conflicts in church, conflicts between Christians, maybe even between leaders, and you've had to deal with that. Or unrealistic expectations. You know, when we so long for 
the manifestation of the glory and power of God, and we get excited about it. Maybe we hear somebody's, somebody's prophesied something, and we get all expectant of something amazing that's going to happen, and it doesn't meet our expectations, and we're disappointed. And sometimes we get disillusioned. You know, all kinds of things happen in church life, and I'm talking about from the day you become a Christian to where you are today. I just want to ask you, how's your energy level? How's your spiritual energy level? Because you've had to expend a lot of energy to deal with all these things that have gone on in your personal life and in church life, in family life, all these things that have gone on in your life over the years, all that water's flown under the bridge. You've had to deal with that, and you've expended a lot of emotional, spiritual energy in dealing with it. How are you today? Are you fully charged or have your batteries become depleted? And there's a little bleeper going, warning you, if you don't plug in soon, the battery's going to go dead. How are you this morning? And let's bear in mind, you know, it's not just negative experiences that drain our batteries. It's also good things. Sometimes it's, it's success it's blessing. If we're not careful, that too can suck away all the energy from us until suddenly we find we're depressed. I've known it. I've known churches that have been in revival, absolute revival, but it's such an emotional, emotionally charged experience. They go on like that for month after month after month after month, and suddenly it all falls apart. It just falls apart, and it's over. Even success can be exhausting. How easy it is for years of high commitment and activities to outstrip our supply of spiritual motivation. And our batteries can get depleted to the point where the lights go out. I hope this isn't true, but possibly it is. That there's someone in this congregation this morning. You're here, but the lights have gone out for you. You're just plonked on a seat. Well, just as in the natural governments, that they're endeavoring to find ways of harnessing the energies that are in nature, my friends, we've got to know how to renew ourselves in the Lord because we're not going to be able to avoid the ups and downs of life. We're not going to be able to avoid all those things that are going on around us and in us and through us that are going to just drain us of the spiritual energy that is within us until there's nothing there. We've got to find a way of renewing ourselves. And there is a way. And you know it already, but I'm going to remind you this morning. Yes, John chapter 4 where, you know, Jesus met this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman. You know the story so well. And Jesus said to her in verse 10, If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you living water. 
If only, Jesus said, if you only knew the gift God has for you. Now, this, was, this woman, was, as far as she was concerned, she was a total stranger to this man. She, as far as she was concerned, this man knew nothing about her. She was a nobody. She was a nothing. She was of no consequence. And you know something about, I'm sure you've heard sermons about her background and everything and, 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 that, and why she went up there on her own. She was, a, uh, she was not a person that, wanted to, that other women wanted to be seen with. She was a loose woman, we, we might say, in these, this day and age. And here's this stranger speaking to her as if he knew her and he's saying to her, if you only knew the gift God has for you, for you. I just love that. I just love the personal way that Jesus spoke to people and said, you know, he didn't say, if only you knew the gift God has for the world. No, he says, if only you knew the gift God has for you. And that's true. Can I remind you, brothers and sisters, this morning the gift that God has is for you. So don't hide yourself. Don't think that what I'm going to say this morning is only relevant to other people in this congregation and is not relevant to you because there's something uniquely unimportant about you. No, there's nothing uniquely unimportant about you. Don't place yourself on an unimportant pedestal. You are just as, as, as a... As a as important to God as anybody else. And this, is a, this gift that God has is for you and for me. Hallelujah. And so Jesus says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me. If only you knew who you were speaking to. She's probably thinking, but I don't know who I'm speaking to. Who is this man? If I knew who he was, I would ask him, who is he? He said, if only you knew who I was. If you knew who I was, you would ask me. And I would give you living water. Do you understand this term, living water? When the term living water is used in the Bible... It's, it's, it means water that's continuously flowing. All right? It doesn't mean some kind of magic water, you know, that's bubbling and has got some kind of potency in it. It's talking about flowing water, meaning fresh, clean water. It's constantly flowing. It never stops flowing. Living means it's alive, it's flowing, it's moving. And here this woman, she's come on a dry and dusty day up the hill to this well, then she has to drop a bucket down, she has to pull it up. It's hard work drawing water from a well. And Jesus is saying to her, if only you knew who I was. If you did, you would ask me, and I would give you living water. Water that just keeps flowing. Of course, she's curious. And she's, she's saying, well, how can this be? You know, you haven't got a bucket. How are you going to draw it up? You know, she's thinking just in the natural. And Jesus then says in verse 13, anyone who drinks this water of this well will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes, this is what it becomes, it becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them 
giving them eternal life. It becomes within them, he's saying, a spring. So what he's describing here is something that is renewable. It continuously renews itself. It's living water, flowing. It's not a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Jesus here is not referring to getting a born-again experience. We've all, those of us here who are Christians, we know what it is to be born again, right? We, and we have an experience of when we gave our life to Christ, we became aware of God. Suddenly, we knew God as our Father, and we refer to that as, I was born again on such and such a date. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. He's saying, if you knew who I was, you would ask me, and I would give you living water, which will be like a spring bubbling up. All right? It will stay there with you all the rest of your life. The Holy Spirit flowing through you. As he again said in John 7, in verse 38, or verse 37 on, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart or from his innermost being. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. And again, uh, I just want to remind you what Jesus there was saying about the anyone. Three things I want to say about this. My message is not complicated this morning. So the first thing I want to say is this. Uh, The first thing we have to do, brothers and sisters, we have to come to Jesus. Now, it sounds like I'm stating the obvious, and it is the obvious in a sense, but my how I have to remind myself of this. I have to keep on reminding myself that I have to come to Jesus. You see, we all get caught up in in the stuff that I was speaking about at the beginning of this meeting. We're all caught caught up in our private affairs. We're all caught up in our family business. We're all caught up in in, in church work. We're all caught up in all the, the stuff that goes on in our life. And it is very easy to think that everything's okay spiritually when it isn't because it's very easy to forget the basic. The basic is Jesus. Let's not forget that we need to keep coming to Jesus. That sounds obvious, but you know, you can come to church and you can sing songs about Jesus but not come to Jesus because we can easily parrot words. In our heart, we can be far away from him. Our mouths are saying the words, but our hearts are actually far away. And I I have to remind myself so often because I find every now and then that I'm getting drained. I'm getting stressed. I'm getting dry. And worship feels like hard work to me. And church becomes a burden. A church represents jobs that need to be done, people that need to be sorted. You know, it, it, it can represent an area of stress. 
when Jesus is not there. We have to come. Jesus said, if you knew who I was, you would ask me. And I would give. And then in, in John 7, it says, anyone who is thirsty, come to me. We, we, we often talk about revival and how much we want revival and how much we want renewal. But, you know, the secret to revival, to renewal, is, is, is not really a secret. It's just here. It is drawing near to Jesus. It's staying close to Jesus. It's retaining that authentic relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maintaining it. Uh, a week ago, I was at Malvern. And at Malvern, you know, Malvern Hills. And you've probably heard on the news that a decision has been taken not to bottle Malvern water anymore because it's not economical. And the Queen, uh, she apparently she always has Malvern water in bottles. Not in plastic bottles, but glass bottles. Because it's posher, you know, to have it in glass bottles and plastic bottles. But they decide they're not going to do it anymore. It's not uneconomical. Well, you know, you can go to Malvern Hills, and they have, at various places around the hills, they have taps that are permanently on. And the water's pouring out of these taps. And if you go there as a visitor, you feel you want to rush up and turn the tap off. Turn it off. No, don't leave a tap on. It's wasting water. But they never turn the taps off. They're left on permanently. In fact, there's nothing that, you know, they've taken the handles away. So the, the taps are just pouring water out continuously. Living water gushing out. Springs. And anybody, and people do that. People go there with their, with their plastic bottles and that, and they just fill it up, you know. Whatever they contain, any of the containers, just take it there and fill it up with this spring water. It's free to anybody. Just come and take and drink. And that's how it should be for us spiritually, my friends. We come to Jesus because in him is life. Not death, but life. In him is not burden, but uplift. We come to him. And that's why it's so important that we worship. It's so important when we come together. My friends, don't think of worship as you know, a, t- a time filler. Let's just fill the time until the sermon. No, it's not that. When we worship, we're coming to the Lord. And the words of the songs, and that's why it's so important that the worship leaders choose the songs. They think about the lyrics of those songs because those words are words that are words that take our mind off the things that are troubling us and distressing us and bearing, wearing us down. And those words focus our thoughts on the Lord and we draw near to him and we realize he's sovereign, he's Lord. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. According to his power, there's a work in us. As we focus on the Lord, as we worship him and praise him, then we're drawing near to him and then we find that that living water starts to spring up again within us. In Hebrews 11, verse 27, it says of Moses, he kept right on going, 
It's like a battery, isn't it? It keeps going. It says of Moses, he kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. That's what we do. I've never seen Jesus. I don't know if you have. I've never had the privilege of you know, a, a vision. I've had experiences of him, but I can't honestly say that Jesus has appeared before me. To me, Jesus is invisible. And yet, what does it tell us in Hebrews? Keeping your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We have to keep our eyes like Moses kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. Seems an impossibility, but you understand this is, this is spiritual speak. We keep our eyes on Jesus, our Savior. And somehow when we do that, my friends, we keep going on and on and on, and we just keep going. We don't collapse. We don't grind to a halt. So come to Jesus. And then secondly, trust in Jesus. Trust is so important. It's all very well coming to Christ and singing praises to him, but if you don't have faith in him, your spiritual batteries will still continue to drain. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. It's absolutely critical that you, we believe in him. And this is an area where I have to keep on challenging my own heart on this. Do I really trust the Lord? I, ha I ask myself that question again and again, especially when I'm facing a challenge. I ask myself, do I really trust the Lord? Anyone who believes in me, said Jesus, may come and drink. In Romans 15, verse 13, it says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, we need churches that have got congregations that are filled with joy and peace and overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, don't we? We want to be like that. That's how we want to be. We don't want to be miserable and woe-begotten. Even though we may have problems and we may have troubles, we want to know this supernatural endowment from God, which is what this is. We want to know this hope, this joy, this peace that comes out of our experience with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus made this clear that this renewing, this constant renewing of hope, this constant renewing of peace and joy only comes out of our relationship with him, with the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of you know Eric Godion, and you're aware, no doubt, that on Tuesday he goes into hospital in London for a procedure for which he's been told that there's a one in three chance that he will die. And this is not the first time he's had to do this. And, you know, when you're facing a situation like that, when you're in extreme pain, and then you're, you have to go and have this operation, and you're told, you know, that 
of, of what the, the chances are of coming out of it alive. It, it can be very, very stressful. But when I met with him and spoke with him just a couple of days ago, I found that he had gone to the Lord, read the Word of God, and he had hope. He had strength, spiritual strength, even though his body was racked with pain. And he had a level of anxiety, naturally, about what was awaiting him. The last time he had this procedure, he was a couple of weeks in a coma at the end of it. So he's not exactly looking forward to it. But what <clears throat> amazes, me, amazes me about Eric is, after all, and I've been here now 13 years, and he was sick before I got here. So for about 14 years, he's been battling with this condition. And I know he's had his ups and he's had his downs, and he has had his downs, but he always comes back up again because he goes to Jesus. And he gets renewed in the Lord. And you might, this, is, this, is, this is the reality of this renewal. What I'm, not, I'm not speaking here about never having problems. I'm not speaking here about never having battles to fight or trials of faith. I'm not speaking about that. What I'm saying is that unless we come to Jesus, all those things will drain us. But if we keep coming to the Lord, we'll come through them and we'll keep going because we'll be renewed, we'll be renewed, we'll be renewed, we'll be renewed. The devil will not stop us going on because we'll be renewed in Christ. But we do need to have faith. When I was a young Christian, new in the faith, uh, at that time I brought with me into my Christian faith uh, bouts of depression that I used to suffer from. I used to get depression almost for no reason. I couldn't understand it, but I, I, would, get I would just I just sink. And one day I was, uh, I was depressed. And I was walking along the street, my head in my, my chin in my boots, you know, walking along feeling really terrible. And as I was walking on the road, since I'd become a Christian, I had learned to try and confront this depression. And as I was walking along the road, I thought to myself, do you know, I was walking along the same pavement the same day, one week ago. But when I walked down this pavement the same day, one week ago, I was happy as could be. I was really cheerful. Praising the Lord. That was great. So I thought to myself, what's changed from last week to today that I should be so depressed today? Nothing. Absolutely nothing had changed. My circumstances were exactly the same. But I was depressed. I don't know why. I was really depressed. And I had, I had to really get a grip of myself. And I had to turn my eyes to the Lord. And I had to, you know, I had to myself put myself before the Lord. Just like Eric has had to do with his situation and what you have had to do in the past and we've got to do again and again is that we have got to activate our faith ourselves and not sit, you know, in 
just sit apathetically waiting for something to happen to us. We have to arise and go to the Lord and say, Lord, I believe in you. I don't feel good. Things are bad. I'm drained. But I believe in you. And I'm coming to you. You know, we've got to do something about it ourselves. And we've got to turn our eyes to the Lord and come to Jesus to open up that tap of living water in our lives. A third point is give Jesus. We come to Jesus, we trust in Jesus, and we give Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, I've known Christians to fall away and lose their joy because they turned off the tap of the Spirit of Jesus in them. We go through many knocks and bumps in our Christian life, don't we? All of us. It could be disappointments. Maybe you had asked God for something at work. You said, Lord, I want that job. I want that promotion. And somebody else got it. And you thought, God, let me down. I'm disappointed with God. You turned the tap off. You held a resentment against God because you feel, he let me down. Or somebody hurt you. Someone in the church perhaps hurt you, offended you, and you can't forgive them. You turn the tap off. If we hold these things in our hearts, these feelings of disappointment, bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, it's as if you just taken hold of that tap and closed the valve completely. But you could still be in church. You're still coming along, doing the Christian thing outwardly, putting on a, an appearance. But inside, you're as dry as dust. You're dead spiritually. There's just nothing there. And you wonder why. And it's because you turn the tap off. Listen to the words of Jesus in Luke 6, verse 38. He said, Give, and you will receive. Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Now, we usually use that verse when, it, when we're talking about money, giving money. And yet, fine, that's great. You could use that when, it, when speaking about our financial giving. It applies to that. The principle applies to that, to your tithes and your offerings. You give generously, God will bless you. But actually, the context isn't financial. The context of those words is relational. It's our relationships with other people Jesus was talking about. When you look at the context, you see Jesus was speaking about love your enemies, do good to them, be compassionate, don't be judgmental, forgive. That's what Jesus is speaking about. He's saying, forgive, give away, give away your heart, 
Give away compassion. Give away forgiveness. Give away mercy. If you give like that, the tap will open up and you'll be so blessed by God. But when you don't give, when you don't give mercy, when you don't give forgiveness, when you don't give mercy, grace, when you don't give of yourself, you turn the tap off. So Jesus said, give and you will receive. The Lord is giving to you. The Lord has given to you and me. He's given of himself to us, given us of the Holy Spirit. And he wants us then to pass it on, of course. He wants us to pour out that grace that God has put within us, doesn't he? He wants us to give Jesus away, as it were. Give the Holy Spirit. He wants us to pour out. And as we give his grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, as we give that freely, we receive freely and we receive abundantly. Jesus died on the cross for sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And on the cross he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. He gave, he gave, he gave, he gave when he was on the cross. And the Father gave and gave and gave when he gave his Son for you and me. He gave. And he gave. And he's still giving. And he wants to give to you and me. He wants to give life he wants to give his peace. He wants to give us hope. He wants to give us joy. He wants to give us the energy that we need to live successfully for him. And the secret is the same. And I'm telling you what you already know. And I'm reminding us of the basic that we dare not neglect. And that is we must keep coming to Jesus. Keep coming to him. We must make sure our relationship with Jesus is authentic and isn't artificial. We must keep coming to him. We must trust him. Don't come to him and not trust him. You've got to trust him with your, those issues in your life. And then you've got to give him. Give him away in your relationships with other people. And then you're opening up that spring of life. It will open up and you'll be renewed. You'll experience personal renewal. And church will be a joy. Worship will be a joy. I wonder if there's anyone here this morning and you're depressed. You may not show it. You're not going around looking depressed, but you are depressed and you're dry. There may not be anyone here you may be all fabulously, wonderfully filled with the Spirit and rejoicing in God. But if there is anyone here and you're like that, then I, I, want, I hope what I've said has helped you to recognize there's something you can do about that this morning. There's something you can do about it to be renewed again. But you've got to be willing to come, to trust, and to give. Congregation, would you stand with me? And perhaps the worship team, you could make your way back to your station as I, as I pray with the congregation.
Let's stand in prayer in the presence of the Lord. And as we're in the attitude of prayer, I'd like each of us to have a private communion with the Lord, to do business with him. How are you this morning? How is your relationship with the Lord Jesus? How real is it? Why don't we each in our own hearts talk to the Lord and tell him that we're coming to him again? We really want a drink from him. We want his, his Holy Spirit to flow through us again, to renew us. And if the burden's on your heart, if you come here burdened and worried and anxious about different things, you might need to renew your trust in him. Tell him, Lord, I trust you. I trust you. As we're in his presence, is there anything that you need to give? Is there something you've been withholding that's turned the tap off in your life? If, you ident if something's identified, if the Holy Spirit reveals anything to you, would you yield to, to his prompting? Will you tell him, yes, Lord, I, I, I'll deal with that. I will give. I will give and not withhold. Just turn on the tap. Lord Jesus, you are our Lord and our Savior. We think of how you came to that woman, that Samaritan woman all those years ago, and spoke to her in such personal terms. You knew her. And you told her that she could have the living water. And here we are, Lord, Thank you that you would say the same to every one of us. That every one of us too can drink of the living water. Uh, most of us, Lord, have been blessed by your presence and your grace. We have been so blessed, but sometimes, Lord, we've allowed ourselves to become run down. But we want to be renewed in you, Lord. We want to remove all blockages, all hindrances, and we want to be filled again with your Holy Spirit. We want to know joy, we want to know hope, we want to know your peace in abundance, we want to be overflowing, Lord. Oh Lord, we draw near to you again, we come to the cross again, and we see how you gave everything for us. Help us, Lord, to respond to you. Open up the wells of salvation, Lord, that we may drink freely of those living waters. Thank you, Lord. Let's just praise him together. I want us to raise a, a shout of praise and thanks as we come into the, to the final song this, this morning. Let's praise him. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for what you've done for us, Lord. We praise you, our Redeemer and Savior. You are good and your mercies endure forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.